Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You're here on Chad Theory. I'm your host, Chad James. Today, I'd like to discuss something very important with you. Amidst all the vote yes rhetoric, I'm beginning to feel a little bit uneasy. I fear we're descending into a political climate that's dominated by unchecked government narratives, robbing us of any meaningful debate or discussion. So to put it simply, what I'm trying to say is that we have no real opposition. So on today's show, Nico and I, we're going to discuss the no vote. Is it really a lost cause? Is it even worth considering? Well, I think that it is. And all of this close-minded, sycophantic deference to the vote yes movement is undemocratic and it fails to offer Australians the chance at forming a full picture in the lead-up to this historic referendum. This is a discussion I think that we need to have. Nico, thanks for joining me. How are you going? Hey, man. Good. Good to have you. Hey, breaking news. What's his name? Ken Wyatt, former Liberal uh, MP, has sensationally, just go on Twitter, it's number one trending, has sensationally quit the Liberal Party uh, due to uh, the opposition that that Dutton and the Liberal Party announced to The Voice yesterday. Who who is he? (laughs) (laughs) He was the member for Hasluck. He he lost his seat in a really bad swing, actually. I was just looking up the the numbers for the 2022 election. He was elected into uh, Parliament in 2010. He was the first Indigenous Australian to go into the House of Representatives So he wasn't actually in parliament, or he's not actually in parliament now. A lot of people are misunderstanding this on Twitter. He's out of parliament. All he's done is effectively quit the Liberal Party membership. Right. So he's he's handed back his, I don't know. His card. Card (laughs) that says Liberal Party member. Yeah. And and the media are latching onto it and, and Twitter is latching onto it. And that's, you know, kind of what I wanted to discuss today. This is another symptom of that. Anything that goes against the Liberal Party and goes against the opposition is like big news, even though Ken Wyatt, I mean, I appreciate that he was an important Indigenous figure, particularly for the Liberal Party, but he's he's, he's left the, the Liberal Party. He's just quitting his membership. So I thought I'd sort of bring that up and, and, and you know, give those details because I think there's a bit of misinformation going on at the moment. You know, the voice, vote yes, it's trending so hard and it's starting to make me a little bit anxious, which is why I reached out to you to have this conversation. So why don't we uh, get straight into it, Nico? What do you reckon? Okay, let's go. Hey, ladies and gents, just a quick update on subscriptions. In the process of attempting to lower the price for all of you due to cost of living pressures and general feedback from the membership, I've had to actually cancel the current subscription and wait for the billing cycle to end so I can then set up a new subscription at the lower price. It's just a quirk of Spotify that I'm unable to get around, unfortunately. So the end result is that subscriptions won't be available again until early May. For now, all episodes are available to everyone for the month of April. 
So I appreciate your support. Not to worry. Subscriptions will be back up and running in no time. Enjoy. So I think up front, it's important, I think at least for me and for you, Nico, feel free to give us your opinion as well. But I think it's important to be upfront about what my position is specifically. So I'm not some vote no, the voice is racist, race-based, is uh, going to be challenges in the high court. I don't fall into that category of vote no. I don't agree with the Liberal Party. I don't agree with their talking points. And frankly, for those of you who follow me and, and follow my opinions on Twitter and on this podcast, you will know how much contempt I have for the coalition and the Liberal Party more specifically. The reason why I'm planning to vote no is a little bit more nuanced. As it stands now, this is being pitched as a two-horse race. There are only two sides to this referendum that have gained traction. You're either with the voice and you vote yes, and you're for recognition and you're for consultation, or you're a bigot. History will remember you. You'll be on the wrong side of history. You want to vote no. You're you're part of Dudden's opposition to the voice. But I think more important voices like Lydia Thorpe's are being drowned out. And, and this is the Labor strategy, Nico. This is Anthony Albanese's strategy. He doesn't want a nuanced debate. They know when it comes to you know referenda, when it comes to these kinds of questions, you've got to keep it simple. You, you can't have too much information. You can't have too much detail, but you also have to have just enough. And we covered this previously, remember, when we discussed Albo's uh, way of framing it. He's using those sort of two basic talking points. One is uh, recognition. The other one is, is consultation. He's keeping it really simple. And that's what I don't like about this. If you're against it, like I am, people automatically think you're against it because you're a dinosaur and you're behind the eight ball and you're not keeping up and you're being tone deaf. So, so what are, what are your reasons for being against it? Well, I don't think it goes far enough, and I don't think it'll close the gap. Basically, my view is that I don't think it'll achieve what the designers and architects are claiming that it will achieve. It's just symbolism. It's basic recognition. It's it's tokenism. It doesn't go far enough. Yeah, I, I'm in I'm in two minds about it. Right. So, on the one hand, I agree with you. It doesn't go far enough. And the whole, I mean, I've talked about it before, the whole point of using the word make representations is because it'll mean that it's not real consultation, it's not real advice, and there's certain things that the government would have to do if it, if it was consultation or, or advisory, right? And they use the word, they use the words consultation and advisory interchangeably, and it, it's just not, it's not that. Right, so first of all, the Albanese government's lying to us about that, right? Yep. That's the thing that I, I don't like about it. In terms of making Indigenous people at least think that they've got some kind of say in Parliament, probably does that. And like I said before, it makes white people feel better about themselves because it's like, oh, well, you know, Aboriginal people have a say in Parliament now, so... 
you know, kind of like give white ourselves guilt. A pat on the back because we did that. Yeah. So just on that quickly, Nico, what do you think about the way people have been framing the voice to people like me who who have my view as, well, it's a stepping stone. And I'm pretty sure Albanese said that. It's a stepping stone. We start with that. And I don't want to talk about a treaty until we get this done. How far away is the next stepping stone? Well, I don't believe it. That's that's my issue. I think once Labor gets the voice done, they'll hang their coats up like that's it. They'll they'll sit on it. We did it. We we fixed it. We gave the Indigenous Australians a voice. Job done. The Labor government, I think, do have good intentions. And if this voice is in there, as long as the Labor Party is in there, they probably will be consultative on the things that they actually want to look like they're progressive about, right? So so it allows them to cherry pick or to use it use the voice as kind of a excuse to be able to cherry pick the advice that they get on the issues that they agree with and then go, well there you go. This is this is this is why uh, we need this legislation and the voice agrees with us. And then and then on the other issues that they're not in agreement with you know, things probably to do with like mining, gas exploration, things like that, right? I'll just ignore them. You know, the irony of that, we're talking about Ken Wyatt, right? And his seat of Hazlitt over in Perth. So like yeah. I said in the intro, he, he lost the seat at last year's federal election to Tanya Lawrence from the Australian Labor Party. Right, right, yeah. So Tanya Lawrence, she was previously a senior advisor to several Labor governments, and she was also a senior manager with Woodside Energy. Oh, fancy that. <laughs> so the, the oil yeah. and gas lobby, they have one of their own as an MP. In I mean, the, the point is that you can't separate the major parties when it comes to that sort of corporate fossil fuel to sound like a greenie influence. It's there in yeah, both mate, parties. They've got, they got their tentacles, tentacles yeah, everywhere. They're, they're yeah, in yeah. both parties. So I think you're absolutely right. They will cherry pick politically when it's convenient for them. And I think that could potentially catch uh, the Labor government out in the future, you know, when the voice is up and running because they don't have to – I said this previously – they don't have to prompt the voice for advice. The voice can create advice of its own volition. It doesn't mm. need the government to request it. So they're effectively a constitutionally enshrined activist. Yes, right? or, or I was going to say I was going to say lobby group. Yeah, lobby yeah. group. Yeah, yeah. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People throw that yeah, around. I will, agree. They they will they will be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Which is interesting, right? I mean, it really could backfire in them. It is, but then they just won't be given the the platform, I guess, to voice their their opinions when it doesn't suit the government narrative. Well, they won't be able to because, the, I mean, I said this previously, the voice could simply issue a press release. This is our advice. They, they could send mm. their advice to the media. Uh, is, is there anything stopping them in this proposal from doing that? I, I doubt it. But here's, here's the thing though, Chad, which is why I get, in, I get into the mindset of this thing is just a huge waste of time, right? Because there's, there's nothing stopping these, say, Indigenous-like NGOs doing this now, right? 
they probably do it already. Yeah, but it's not constitutionally enshrined. I want to get back to that um, towards the end of this podcast because we're going to talk about the NAC and, and ATSIC, which you know a lot about. So we'll come back to that. Trust me. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to go back to quickly, just to cap off this section, our sort of views on the voice and why I think me more specifically, I don't think it goes far enough. I don't agree that it's a stepping stone. I don't think that it's a stepping stone. And I think that's borderline offensive to say that it's, you know, it's been 250 years. So is this, is this where why you do we agree need to st- with Lydia Thorpe? Yeah, I do. I really do. Agree? I really do. Yeah, yeah. And, and okay. this is why people find me so unpredictable. I have no affiliation to any party. I have no affiliation to the left or the right. I don't care. You can, all you partisan shills out there can go and stick it. I really, really do not care. I look at every <laughs> single policy in every issue on its own merit. And from where I stand, my experience being born in Australia and having lived here as a proud Aussie for 35 years, I don't think that we need a bloody stepping stone to go to a treaty. We are one of the only Western nations that still does not have a treaty at the federal level with our indigenous peoples. Even so you, bro, the United States has like 400 of them. They've got like 374 of them or something from 250 years ago. Can you explain to me what like a, a modern treaty like this would look like? What would it look like? I think it would have various stipulations as to how and in what situations specifically they can self-govern in what areas are they able to self-govern over what land are they able to to govern this is basic self-determination so i think on top of that i'm for a land tax i don't have any problem with the government coming up with a one percent or 0.5 percent land tax on all properties on all land to go to some sort of indigenous future fund and the reason why you do that is because, you know, all of a sudden you move from this bullshit voice into an actual funded body with a treaty, with its own sovereignty over certain territories. I don't know how that would work specifically, but in terms of broad strokes, I'm not an expert in this area by any means. Now, half of my view is based on calling out lefties and the other half of my view is genuine. So I'm not saying I am full 100% for this. I'm saying I'm calling out all of you lefties out there that think that this voice will actually close the gap because it won't. What will close the gap is getting our hands out of that pie and leaving it to that group of people, the First Nations people, to govern for themselves. That's the only way you will solve this. The more welfare, Noel Pearson said this, the more welfare you give them, that's enabling. It doesn't work. You can't take a group of indigenous people and then just say, hey, you need to live this way of life. It, 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 it hasn't just worked. Would just a 1% land tax be a different form of welfare? Well, it, it wouldn't be administered by, by us. It would go into their own fund and they can they can use it forever they want for whatever they want it doesn't necessarily have to be for welfare the whole point is that it's not up to us look i i think something like that might work but i think if you go down that path of say taxing everybody or taxing landowners 
than any other kind of government subsidies that, you know, us white people give to First Nations, that, that all that all needs to stop. Yeah, I agree. And they have and they have that bucket of money and they have elected representatives and they can sort out for themselves what they do with it. For those excised or, is, or those specific is, territories. If, if they're, which is self-determination, right? Exactly. That's exactly my point. And again, don't forget what I'm saying. Half of the reason why I have this view is because I'm calling out all the lefties out there that just want this sort of innocuous symbolism. The Greens, you mean? Yeah, I mean, put, the Greens, put your the money Greens where your mouth is. Put your money Actually, where your mouth interestingly, is. If, if you interestingly. want sovereignty, if you want self-determination, we have to make a big change. Guys, nothing has worked. Clearly, it's not working. We have to change our tact completely. This is not a stepping stone. This is, it's not even a band-aid. This is a distraction. I was going to say, interesting. Isn't it interesting how the Greens will take this kind of virtue signaling solution on the voice yeah, and they'll stand with the Labor government. But then on that housing policy, they're, they're against it because it doesn't go far enough and because they don't see it as a real solution. But that's what I'm saying. Okay. That's a really good point. Isn't so that interesting? It, it is. So many people that I have this conversation with they say, okay, Chad, okay, clearly you're not a bigot. Clearly you don't have, you know, sinister intentions. Clearly you're not spreading this, you know, race-based constitution bullshit. Why don't you just vote yes? Like why wouldn't you just support it if you agree it's moving in the right direction? That's what I have a problem with in this debate is people having that view where, oh, look, if you think we should go further, we're moving in the right direction with the voice. Why don't you just vote yes? Because it goes against my principles and the, the principle of good policy. If it's not a good policy, your default position should be to vote against it, not to go along with it because it sounds almost about right or it's moving in the right direction. And again, like I said before, Nico, I know exactly what will happen once Labor gets their voice. They'll hang their coats up and they will sit on it without any further action. They'll say, no, we did it. Tick. Pat ourselves on the back. Exactly, exactly the same as what they have done with almost every policy for the last 12 months. Look what they did with the, the NAC, the National Anti-Corruption Commission. It's completely watered down. They rushed it through. They teamed up with the coalition. It's not going to have any teeth. They get 80% of the way there. Yeah. Right? Not even. <laughs> And and but they get the headlines, Chad. They exactly. get the headlines. It's That's like what we got it is. done. This is a headline. We got it done. And then exactly they they default to is it private hearings? And then they can slot in their own pro labor commissioner. That's how I see it. That's how oh. I see what's going on here. It's gonna it's gonna follow that same sort of formula. Yeah, exactly. It's a formula. One hundred percent it's a formula and it's a labor formula. And they've done it over and over again. The difference between the Labor and the Liberal parties is that the Labor Party, they're lying to our faces and they have no shame. Whereas ScoMo and the Liberal Party, at least they used to make some attempt to hide everything from the public. <laughs> right. That's the only difference between Labor and Liberal. So it, re it really is like the shit party versus the shit light party. Absolutely. 
All right, Nico, I hope you don't mind, but I'm actually going to quote you verbatim from a private discussion that we had on text. Okay. I've I've got the quote here. Uh, Please pardon my French, ladies and gentlemen. Nico has a foul mouth. This is what Nico said, and I think this is one of the most profound things that you've ever said, Nico, and I told you that. This is what he said. We are fucked without a real opposition. Basically, anything that doesn't fit the Labor narrative now makes you a cooker. Nico, please explain. Yeah, this this was yesterday when the headline came out, which was that Dutton was final has finally taken a position, and it's like we're we're against the voice. And I mean, there's people that are saying it's like the noalition, right? They're the noalition. Yeah, say no Labor are saying that in Parliament. That's not real opposition for me. And if the Liberals get to this point where they become the right-wing nutjob party, or actually maybe that's still a motive, they become like a conservative like party, like Sky News and um, who is it, like Alan Jones and all these other guys keep keep saying, right, they're not, they're not conservative enough. They need to go further to the right. They don't stand for anything anymore because right. they don't stand for what we want them to stand for. Which means they'll just become like One Nation. They might as well go form a coalition with One Nation, right? Yeah, but Murdoch loves One Nation. Sky News, the Australia, love One Nation. But then they become they're not they're not a broad church, and they and they become they become one of these like obscure right wing parties. And so, yeah. like, what it means is effectively you're not going to have any real opposition in Parliament. And Labor are just going to get their way with everything. Yeah, that's right. And you're going to end up. You're going to end up with. Um, I mean, you look at what happened, um, or what's happening in Western Australia with the state government and McGowan. There's they've got like what three or four seats. Yeah. And McGowan just like steamrolls them on everything, yeah. and you know they they become. I think I said this as well. We're going to end up like North Korea, where you go to you go to the polls and you vote, and there's only one real option to vote for, and that's the party that's in power. So you know yeah. you put in your vote, and and that's it. And it means they get a free run. They yeah. get a free run that, to do what. That's what Labor's they getting want. now. That's what Labor's getting now. Because for, I'll give you an example. Like and and Twitter is just the worst at this. Right now on Twitter, everything is. Vote yes. Vote yes is trending. Voice to parliament, the voice. If you tweet about something negative to do with the voice, you mm-hmm. will get shit on. It'll just be like a pile on. And what I found, if I tweet something, right, that's sort of positive towards the voice, you know, I get a lot of love. But another thing that I've noticed is when I voice my opposition to the voice and say that it doesn't go far enough and we should consider a treaty and a land tax and so on. It's dead silence. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no support from the left. There's no support from the vote yes crowd. And, and I that's thought, what Labor I thought all done. of those greenies that live in rent would love it. No, they don't. They don't love it. That, look what happened with Lydia Thorpe. She literally left the Greens party because she thought it was all tokenism. When it comes to the voice, Lydia Thorpe is 100% correct, in my opinion. She's 100% correct. It's all tokenism. And that's why what you said 
that's why it resonated so much with me. I felt like you articulated in one sentence everything that I've been feeling lately. That I just haven't been able to say it like that. If mm. you don't agree with Labor's narrative, you're a right-wing nutjob. You're an absolute nutter. You're a cooker. Which is, which is not true, right? Because Absolutely. Because there's, there's real concerns and these arguments have to have nuance in them, right? So, like, it's, you know, it's a thing of, well, you're either for the voice and you're for Aboriginal rights or you're against it and you're a racist. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like we were talking about, like, this, this idea that the Victorian state government has come up with now that they're going to ban the Nazi salute. I'm not pro-Nazi. I don't like Nazis. But I think banning a hand gesture is just absolutely stupid. And if yeah. you say, and if you say, well... Why would you want to ban the Nazi salute? Why would you go down the path of like banning things? Well, you're a Nazi too, right? Yeah, exactly. You're a, cook, you're a, you're a cooker. Exactly. I saw right. a mainstream media opinion piece about that that basically said exactly what you did. I think it was in Guardian or ABC or something about yeah. the Nazi salute. Why don't we move into something that you wanted to talk about? We've had a voice before. Most people don't know about this. Why don't we take a look at that for a moment? You were telling me earlier on this week, basically like a brief history lesson of the NAC by Whitlam and then ATSIC in the 90s that was abolished in 2004 or 2005 by the Howard government in support by Labor under Mark Latham. Goodness. Yeah. All the usual suspects. Why don't you give us a brief history? And when I say brief, I mean brief history oh, okay. of, of how the voice sort of is an extension of what we've already had with a few caveats. In doing in doing some research about the voice, because honestly to answer my own questions about whether I should vote yes or no, I found out about Whitlam long ago starting this policy of uh, the Indigenous have giving them self-determination. And he actually started this thing called the National... Aboriginal conference, mm -hmm. right? And then I think later into the 80s and the 90s, that become what was called ATSIC. I know about ATSIC, the Aboriginal yeah. Torres Strait Islander Commission. Yeah. Yeah. So the really interesting thing was that these are all these ideas about the voice, about there being like a body that advises government, a body that's elected. So the AEC actually held elections for ATSIC. Yeah, they had regional committees and shit. It was like yeah. proper. It was like grassroots. It was legit. Yes. This already happened, right? It I guess did, this is the problem. It did, but it, there, there's a caveat. There's a caveat. And and I'll, I'll get to that what, once we're finished. What's, what's, oh, so, the, the caveat that is, sorry, is that it... it it was legislated. It wasn't enshrined in the constitution. So some people, advocates of the voice, have been saying, well, the failure of NAC and ATSIC is one of the reasons why we need an enshrined voice in the constitution so that subsequent governments can't just legislate it out. It's part of the constitution. And so the, one of the reasons why ATSIC failed, as you know, is because of Jeff Clark, the, the chairman and, and board member, he had all these rape accusations. He had all these fraud cases against him. The guy's are a complete wreck, right? And so as a result of all those legal issues, he was, at, or by the end, using ATSIC as like a slush fund, 
for his own legal issues and, and, and using the money. And yeah, there's all these fraud cases. So eventually right, right. the Howard government, they basically lost confidence in his ability. And it, there was another deputy as well that they were having issues with. It, it, it just wasn't a good look. It was taking attention away. It was distracting from the function of ATSIC. And Howard decided with the uh, support of, of Latham and the Labor Party to just dismantle it in, in 2004. And so people who were, you know, saying, well, they got rid of it, they legislated against it. What we need now is a constitutionally enshrined voice so that it doesn't end up with the same fate as ATSIC being legislated by a, a government. Sure. But then, I mean, there were... But that doesn't take areas, away from the there operation. There were areas in which ATSIC actually went further than what the voice is going to go. Yeah, it had right? levels. Because it had subcommittees and shit. It was like all the way into the regions. It was great. And they had control over funding as well, right? So it actually was, they actually had more power, if you want to talk about self-determination, than like this stuff that they're talking about with, with the voice. Yeah, I agree. Purely, purely advi advisory. It's symbolic, but, yeah. But the, 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 the thing is though, Chad, like I know, I know that the wording in the referendum is that there has to be a body called the voice. But there's nothing to stop successive governments abolishing that too, right? Oh, no, because no. The, the, the parliament has legislative powers to determine, you know, the structure and how it works and all that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. You've said this before. So all they have exactly. to do is have a voice yeah. as per the constitution from this referendum. Yeah. But the actual mechanism is legislated afterwards by the parliament. Yeah, and a, a body a body just me. Well, it could be a minister. Yeah, it could be a minister or something. Yeah, maybe. I'm aware no, of what I've, you're I've, lo I've looked into mm. the, that wording of, of what like the body mm -hmm. would mean. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the, the final voice. point, right? About how the parliament will legislate. Yeah, well, the problem is that there's no, there's no at least basic structure about like what the voice should consist of, right? It says it's that, that part is completely left up the parliament. In the same way that ATSIC got abolished, they can abolish this too effectively. I mean, they can't get rid of that part of the constitution, but, you know, like I said, it can be one guy. Anyway, so so with with what happened with um with ATSIC, it was so apparently it worked. It worked like in the seventies, eighties, and it wasn't up until apparently the uh the Howard government was just like very I guess um they, they didn't like it. It went from nineteen ninety to two thousand and four. So it started under Labour and then yeah. the coalition got I guess, rid of it. Yeah, I think the word was that they were hostile towards it, right? Mm, so they, mm. they they did it they didn't like how that they, they had, I guess, this this funding. They didn't like how they were advisory because apparently they they were in there and they could give advice on the day to day running of the executive. Yeah, so the Howard government declared it a failure. A, a failed representative body for Indigenous Australians. Just quickly back to that point before about the uh, the voice wording. It was point three. I've got it here. Mm. The parliament shall, subject to this constitution, have power to make laws with respect to matters relating to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice, including its composition, functions, powers, and procedures. Basically, the parliament and any subsequent parliament can legislate to change Anything to do with its composition, functions, powers, and procedures. Yep. That's what we are talking about before, just to clarify. Yep. And the other thing to point out is that because of 
what they did with ATSIC. And because of this other constitutional head of power, which they call the race power, yep. they can do all of this stuff already. Yeah, in parliament, right? yeah. They could do it already. All they need is and the Greens and Lydia Thorpe and uh, David Pocock. Maybe Jackie Lambie if Lydia right. Thorpe doesn't if, play and ball. If we, and if we're going to go to the trouble of having a referendum, then like for me, I, Give the it word needs to be stronger. Give it teeth, yes. Yeah. I agree. But yeah. we can't have this conversation because as Albanese puts it, you know, we're part of the problem. We're not part of the solution. You're either on board or you're not, Nico. It's black and white. And they can't get this over the line unless it's black and white. This is the problem. That's what we're talking about today. This is why we're doing which, this which is Which is why, like, honestly, like the Liberal Party strategy, like to stay quiet to the point where it's too late, I guess, to, to have a conversation or to try to shape the referendum question, right? And then turn around and go, no, I, I think I think it's a shit strategy. Yeah, look, like it's, it, it really is shit. Let's wrap this up and I'll start by giving you my final thought on that point. We know that the Liberal Party as it stands now, almost half of their federal seats come from Queensland. So for Peter Dutton more specifically and all those other Queensland Liberal MPs, you know, a country Liberal Party as well, they're representing electorates that don't support the voice. I mean, you have to look at the politics of this to understand that they run the risk of losing their seats if they support the voice. This is almost entirely political. So I think there's so much more to this than meets the eye when it comes to the Liberals and their opposition and Peter Dutton's position. The final outcome of all of this is that the Liberal Party are going to be obliterated. They've got no chance. They've they've been, you know, sent up to Queensland. That's basically where the Liberal Party decision making is coming from now. And if they start to lose those seats, I mean, it's it, it's over. It's over for them, and it's going to be a massive rebuilding process for them. So they're going to become a cooker fringe party. Well, Liv was saying when Campbell Regardless. Newman was in power, he had like a record amount of seats, like an incredible majority, something like 78 seats or something she was so saying. So this was the state at, at the state level and, and Labor only had seven or eight seats. Sorry, folks, I don't know the numbers. I don't have them in front of me. I'm just trying to recall the conversation we were having with Olivia, who's up in Queensland. But basically she was saying they went too far right and they, they completely went off the deep end and that was how Labor sort of resurrected themselves. So I'm not saying the Liberals cannot resurrect themselves, but they definitely have to come to the centre if they if they want to because of the demographic shifts that we've been talking about all week. But anyway, that's, that's my final thought. Look at where the decision makers, look at where their electorates are, and that'll give you some insight into why if they don't do what their electorate wants, they won't have a seat. They won't have a seat at the table. It's pretty simple. The Liberal Party really needs to reform itself and become a real opposition mm. because otherwise, I mean, we're going to end up with giving the Liberal Party free reign. Labor Party, yeah. Sorry, we're, sorry. we're going to end up with giving the Labor Party free reign 
And, you know, last time political party had free reign like that. We got work yeah, choices. We, end, we ended up with war. Exactly. <laughs> we ended up with work choices, mate. Under Howard, yeah. That's so, right. Yeah. Because there, there were one or two terms of the Howard government. Maybe it was just one term where they, they had, had a majority, majority in both, both houses. houses. Snap. Yeah. There you go. But, but Anthony Albanese is managing to achieve that at the moment just by incredible politicking. I mean, really, it's something to behold. I've got to say, the standard, and I'm not talking in normative terms here. I'm just talking in sort of the outcome of, you know, their capabilities. The Labor Party at the moment, at the federal level, and we're starting to see it with Chris, Chris Minns at the state level here in New South Wales, but mostly Daniel Andrews in Victoria, they are political, like, masterminds. They're brilliant operatives when it comes to politics and controlling the narrative. The coalition are so far behind them on social media. I mean, I don't follow Dan Andrews on Twitter, but I see a lot of the posts that come. It's not him tweeting. It's, it's oh, he's the, he's the master, he's the master. At, but at, at this means. kind of like, devi- call, like yes. divisive politics. You're either like yeah. with us yeah. or you're against us and you're a Nazi and you're a cooker. It, that's right. But it's, it's under the guise of being positive. It's like this is the way forward. You know, this is the progression, the natural progression of this nation. And in some respects, they're right because of the demographic changes. But if you're not part of this, if you don't agree with this, then you're you're a dinosaur. You're out of touch. I'm seeing this from Chris Minns as well. And and obviously Daniel Andrews has been doing it for years, but they are so good at this and, and they're winning the fight without majorities. It's truly incredible. Anyway, that's enough yapping about politics for today, Nico. Mate, I appreciate you joining me and we'll catch you when we come back next week. Cheers, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.